Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing just before midnight on Friday night. I want to apologize for the audio quality of the podcast we posted today. It was Brian's fault, my fault. Hopefully we have a fix that makes it slightly better, but I don't know what to tell you. Joining me from New York City, we spent all day today in uh, the studios here uh, covering uh, the uh, first day of free agency is Tim Bontemps. I think the audio genuinely sounds worse today than yesterday, so we're off to a great start. You're not going to hear it because I'm recording it locally here. You're not going to hear it how it's going to come on the pod. Well, it's going to be worse for me then, which is delightful. So there we go. <laughs> well, you're tired of listening to me anyway. Join us from Dallas, Texas, where Kyrie Irving will be spending the next two plus one years, is Ben McMahon. Where his contract is for the next two plus one years. Howdy, partners. <laughs> right. So I don't want to talk about James Harden. I don't want to talk about J- uh, Dame Lillard. And something happens, we'll talk about him. We, is that okay with everybody? Deal. Let's, let's discuss plenty, and we've laid out what could happen, and we'll see what does happen. All right, let's talk about what went down in Texas on the first day of free agency. Specifically, let's start with um, the Houston Rockets making the biggest move, really, in all honesty, giving Fred Van Vliet a three-year max, uh, $130 million. Look, this is a team, McMahon, that uh, has damaged his reputation the last few years various ways we don't need to go over the old ground they bought their way out of it with fred van vliet and uh getting a guy who they obviously prioritize they prioritize them over Harden. they prioritize them over Kyrie and anybody else with their 60 some million dollars and got themselves fred van vliet it's a i don't know look i don't know if it's going to turn around the franchise but it's a big moment for a fell stone it's a big moment for what they need to try to pivot and to me it's one of the big stories of the beginning of free agency. Yeah, I mean, look, Fred Van Vliet, $130 million over three years is a lot of money for Fred Van Vliet. I mean, it was a year ago that the Mavericks were drawing the line at, quote, Fred Van Vliet money for Jalen Brunson, and that was $21 million a year. <laughs> He's doubling that, uh, more than doubling that on this deal. And obviously, it's been a rough few years for the Rockets um, since the, the hardened trade, total rebuild, they have collected numerous uh, top five picks, uh, as well as you know, a parent Shingoon and, and, and some other young players. But they desperately needed a grown man leader in that locker room. They feel like Fred Van Vliet is that guy. They desperately needed somebody to help Ime Odoka completely reset the culture of that franchise. And look. They love James Harden in Houston, but they came to the realization of if James Harden is the guy who is setting the tone for the culture of that franchise, it's not the culture that they want. They've lived that, right? They, they, I mean, his number 13 will hang in the rafters for what he did there, but he is not the guy that they want Jalen Green and Amon Thompson and, and, you know, Jabari Smith Jr. on down the line. They don't want them following in the footsteps of James Harden, you know, in, in part because where those footsteps tend to end up in, in the wee hours of the morning. Fred Van Vliet, they, they want him to set the tone with Udoka. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he is a perfect basketball player at, at you know, a shade – shy of six feet, shot less than 40% from the floor last year. You know, obviously there's flaws, but he is a point guard who is capable of running the team, is a hard-nosed player, is a total pro, um, and, you know, they feel like he can help them reestablish relevancy and develop the, the, the you know, talented kids that they need to develop on the roster. Look, I think this is a perfect signing for the Rockets, and honestly, I don't really care that they had to do a max to do it because they had to spend money this summer to get up to the floor anyway. They had a gazillion dollars in cap space. And if they didn't get this Fred Van Vliet deal done, then you're turning around and like, all right, we got $60 million in space, and what are we doing with it, right? Right? And that's when chaos starts to happen, and you make scramble moves, and things don't go well. Like, to me, 
they, they signed one of the best players available and they signed literally the perfect guy for their team. They have all these young players. They're, they haven't really had any sort of semblance of organization on the court. Fred Van Vliet is one of the best culture setters in the league. He's an A plus 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 locker room guy. He, you know, he's Mr. Bet on yourself. He's literally grinded his way into making hundreds of millions of dollars now. He's now set multiple records for highest contracts for an undrafted player in the history of the league. Like, this is the kind of guy that you want to be showing Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and Amen Thompson and Alperen Shangun how to be elite pros and how to do the job the right way and to get those guys the ball in positions to succeed. So I love this deal for the Rockets a lot. And again, like, yeah, they went to three years, but look, it's a three-year deal. It's not a five-year deal. You're getting Fred in his prime years. Even if it's not exactly playing up to that deal in two years, you've got a very large expiring contract you can do stuff with. It's not like this is some seven-year contract that you're looking at that's going to be some sort of mess down the road. Like, I I don't really see very many downsides of this at all, and I, I think it's the perfect kind of move for a young team that's trying to move in the right direction, and they've still got now a ton of money to maybe go – sign a certain center from Milwaukee, which would have a lot of ramifications if they wind up getting Brooke Lopez on their team, both for where Milwaukee, where Houston's trying to go and obviously what that would mean for the Bucs if they don't bring their starting center back to what they hope is a championship-level team. All right, let's start right there. Look, we're, we're doing this at midnight. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Brooke Lopez between now and the morning. Um and you might say to yourself, well, there was a billion three spent or whatever, and why are you focused on somebody who didn't sign? Well, I think Brooke Lopez is a a big factor still out there on the market. And Bontemps, we talked about this earlier, and you have a good feel for it. And so explain why. Look, I think that you can make an argument that if Brooke Lopez signs with the Houston Rockets, it's the single most important thing that happens this entire summer. And to me, that's even including – Dame Lillard and James Harden trades. I disagree because, with that, but it's, well, it's interesting. I'm not theory. saying. I I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's it's necessarily true. But here's why it's got the potential to be true, because Giannis Tenacupo goes from off the chessboard to on the chessboard, and that is the kind of piece. Like we talked on the pod yesterday. I mean, McMahon was talking like, you if you're the Knicks or the the Net Nets or these teams that have a lot of draft picks. Right now, you're like, oh, there's not a guy to trade all the draft picks for. Well, you know who's a guy to trade all the draft picks for? Giannis Tenacupo. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that Giannis is going to get traded on Wednesday if Brooks signs with the, the Rockets on Saturday. I'm not saying that. They saw Bobby Portis. They saw they signed Chris Middleton today. They've got Drew Holiday. They've got Giannis. They've got a really good team. Adrian Griffin, I think, has got a chance to be a really good coach. But if Brook Lopez isn't back, you start to question: Are the Bucks a championship level team? And Giannis Tenacupo wants to compete for championships. He wants to have a, a chance to win a title every year. And if Chris and if Brooke Lopez isn't there, the Bucs are at that level team. And that's going to immediately start questions about where the future is with the Bucs. So well, he's, he can sign a contract extension in, uh, in September. He has two years left. It's not super worrying time, but mm -hmm. if he, if he doesn't sign it, it's not good. And I would so, call it super. I would oh, call it super worrying time if you've got two years left with him under contract and you lose a very good starting center, one of the best defensive centers in the league, who's also a really good three point shooter, sort of a, a, a truly a perfect fit next to Giannis, and you don't have any way to replace him if you're the Bucks, and you've got Drew Holiday, who's then a year away from free agency, and all of a sudden you could be looking at a really rough situation. Like, that's why this is such a pivotal thing for me. Look, Brooke Lopez might resign, and then the Bucs are fine. And you could argue they're the championship favorites next year. Like, that's how big of a swing that is, if he's on the team or not. That's why I think this is such a vital thing. And for all the noise about all these other guys that are more high profile and people pay more attention to the Brooke Lopez, this Brooke Lopez decision, it's got the potential to have some pretty massive ramifications. Uh, I would also say two years in today's NBA means that the player's got leverage if he's looking to force a move. And if you don't believe me, ask the team that just signed Fred Van Vliet because they've lived that with James Harden in, in the not-too-distant past. But I don't think it would be an immediate thing. I agree, though. It's like, hey, you're on the clock. Uh, tick, tick, tick. You know, add them to 
Hey, so still potentially Dallas. I mean, which we've talked about the two-year thing with Luca. It'd be two years next summer. And then the one reason I'm going to disagree with you on Lopez being maybe the most impactful, uh, you know, thing in, that happens in this transaction period is because the other guy who would be worth throwing all your your chips in. We've talked about being Embiid. I know we're not going to touch on the Harden situation, but that's uh. We have discussed that, and that's that. That's why I feel like there's so much pressure on Daryl to uh, successfully recover from from that curveball. Well, real quick, let's talk about the other side of the Fred Van Vliet trade, or the Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet signing, which mm-hmm. is the Raptors losing him. Um, look, I don't. The Raptors having to beat that offer, that's a hard pill to swallow. But they weren't able to get him extended last year. They did not trade him at the trade deadline, and they are going to lose him for nothing. I, I suppose it's possible they could do a sign-and-trade, but they're not getting you know, value back. And it's not like if they generate a trade exception that they're going to find another Fred Van Vliet. And they went out and signed Dennis Schroeder a couple of moments after um, they they found out that they lost Fred Van Vliet. And with all due respect to Dennis Schroeder, that is not a replacement. And so the, rap, the, and the reason that the Raptors are relevant in this case is because you say, well – What's going to happen to their team? Well, in this in this uh, first day of free agency, they spent eighty million dollars on Jakob Pertl. You spent eighty million dollars on a center who's your fourth best player at, at best. You're indicating that you're still going for it, that you're still trying to be competitive, and then you have your emotional team leader and your point guard walk out the door. And so, you know, the Raptors have committed themselves to kind of stay in the course here if they're going to follow through with this spending. I don't know where they go from here, and they've been a they've been a mystifying team for a year or two now, yeah. and they're paying the price for not you know having their their planning and their strategy tightened down. Well, like and, I, and yeah, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, you know, I agree with your point that Schroeder is not a quote unquote. I mean, he he's not filling Fed VanVleet's shoes, but the fact that they went out and. I know $13 million per year is not what it used to be, but still made a significant financial commitment to get a guy who can start at point guard immediately after losing Fred Van Vliet. That was a pretty clear signal that this is not going to be a, hey, hit reset and blow this thing up, which as soon as Van Vliet deal was done with the Rockets, then you wonder, okay, hey, are they going to shop Anunobi? Are they going to shop Siakam? Um, The fact they went out and said no – we paid Pirtle. We've got a guy who can come in and start a point guard. That, that to me, is an indication that uh, the, the reset route is not the plan. No, I think the reset route's definitely not the plan. It hasn't been the plan really the entire time Masai Ujiri has been in charge of the Raptors. But, I mean, look, you got to just go over back over the past several years. Raptors have had a lot of talent go out the door with yeah. not a lot coming back. Marcus All, they lost for nothing. Serge Ibaka, they lost for nothing. Obviously, Kawhi, they lost for nothing, but that's different. They won the title. But ever ever since they won that title, those guys left for nothing. Their pro personnel signings have not gone great. Otto Porter this past year basically didn't play. Pat McCaw, Stanley Johnson, and some of them in the past, they didn't work out. The Kyle, you know, they could have traded Kyle Lowry during the season. They didn't. They ended up turning him into Precious Achua and Goran Dragic. Goran never really played for them. Um, they traded a top six protected first round pick in next year's draft for Jakob Pertle. And then they had to pay him, to your point, Brian, that I would say, I mean, Jakob's a good player. I think they probably had to overpay him a little bit to make sure they kept him on the team. Uh, sitting here right now, I don't think the Raptors are one of the eight best teams in the East. I think they're fighting to be in the play-in tournament. And I think there's a chance they don't even make the play-in tournament with this team. Mm-hmm. Like, that's with that's with all these guys, with a first-year head coach – Darko could be a good coach. I don't know, but like we haven't seen him do it yet. And they, you know, Fred Van Vliet is, I think, far better than Dennis Schroeder, who's generally not been very good over the course of his career. I don't think that's a great, like turning around and giving him the mid-level, I don't think is a panacea in this situation. And look, maybe Scotty Barnes takes a huge leap. They work things around. Think they're going to extend Gary Trent Jr. Like they, they're clearly committing to pay for this group and to keep this group together. And Messiah Jerry did not think Nick Nurse was getting this team to where he wanted to go. Went and hired a new coach. 
Now they lose Fred Van Vliet. I, I don't know. It's 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 going to be really interesting to see what happens in Toronto because they clearly have bet that there's a lot more potential than what this team showed the last couple of years when they lost in the first round and then lost in the playing tournament. And now they lost their leader. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's dark times, I think, for the Raptors at the moment. Well, they still have a really good young player in Scotty Barnes. So that is what you kind of kind of lean into, and that's what they should lean to, even though he didn't have the greatest sophomore season. Obviously, he's got a lot going for him. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class. They have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com bike slash rentals. Terms apply. All right, so McMahon, your uh, big story today, the other big thing that happened in Texas, Kyrie Irving back to the Mavericks. Um, I don't know what to say about these alleged meetings that were being set up. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. Oh, my God. How about that quote, uh, Bon Temps? Yeah. Oh, that? oh, wow. oh, that's a wild Bill quote. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. yeah, no, but like we, everybody, it's not like the quote unquote meetings that were being set up created leverage because the Mavericks looked at that and been, you know, they did the same thing everybody else did. They're going to sign for the minimum with uh, the Suns. So I'm going to take the mid level from somebody. We're offering, you know, we're, we're ready to offer this guy 40 plus mil a year. You know, the one, if, if it, if they didn't get the deal done and Van Vliet decided, ah, I'm, I'm staying in Toronto, the Rockets would have considered Kyrie as a contingency, contingency plan. And I said considered. It certainly wasn't like a, hey, if Van Vliet doesn't get done, they're definitely going to put the offer on the table because, yeah, obviously they think he's a tremendous talent. They think James Harden's a tremendous talent. The same reason. Well, at least in that case, he could have you know, really had some plausible – Leverage. Right. That was the only meeting with the Suns and Lakers or whatever. That's not plausible leverage. Right. But the Mavericks were all, all along. They're like, hey, he's priority number one for us. We're going to be fine there. We're going to get this done. We're going to do it, you know, in a, in a respectful manner, hopefully able to protect their mid-level. They did sign him at a number uh, to where they could do that. Um you know, a, a deal that they didn't have to make a five-year commitment, even a four-year commitment. You know, the trade-off is he gets the player option. You know, they're, they're keeping him and Luca together, hoping it goes better. Now, the, the one thing I'll say about the Mavericks is we'll see what happens with this mid-level, but like the whole hope to get Bruce Brown, whew, the Pacers blew that hope out the water by giving them double the mid-level almost. Um, and so, you know, their, their hope of being able to really improve the defense. By the way, real quick, Bruce Brown is a better player than what I'm about to say, okay? Mm -hmm. But it reminds me of, like, after the Cavs won the title in 2016, Mozgov got $50 million and Matthew Dellavedova got, like, $40 million. Right. You know, they were champions and they really helped out, but they were kind of big players. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I'll be, well, I'll be interested to see. I know this was a big aside. I'll be interested to see if Bruce Brown sees the second year of that deal, personally. Is there an option on it? 
Team Please, there's a team. Please, there's a team option on okay. the second year. I didn't, I didn't realize there was a team option on that. Yeah, hey, that's interesting. You know what? <laughs> hey, either he way, very, it's more. It's either last year. Either way, it's a great deal for him. I mean, he gets yeah, twenty-three million what? guaranteed. Awesome. Were, he had he had several teams that would have eagerly given him the full mid level, and I believe whether he sees the second year that deal, you know, if he doesn't, I think there's going to be several teams willing to give him full mid level. Oh yeah, no question. But, no question. But back to the Mavericks. You know, the, the hope was obviously, A, keep Kyrie because as bad as the record was, like those guys cook offensively. And, and Luca looks like he's in really, really good shape right now. If he's in good shape, they're really going to cook offensively. Can they guard anybody is the question. And at some point, Derek Lively's probably going to be a really, really good defensive center. You can't expect a teenage rookie to stay on the floor without fouling. Uh, much less to you know to, to fix all those things uh, this season. This Omax Prosper guy, he's you know he's a little bit of an older rookie. They need him to help because they are really small on the wing. And again, we'll see what happens. They've got a pretty glaring need there. Seth Curry, a biannual uh, exception, nice addition. It helps with your your shooting. He's you know that doesn't solve the whole defensive. Uh, problem. So, um, certainly keeping Kyrie, you know, it, it means this summer's not a, a mess for the Mavericks, but they've they've got some work left to, to do to uh, be any sort of a threat in the West for sure. Well, Kyrie was pretty proud of getting this deal. He very much congratulated his agent, his uh, stepmother, uh, Shatelia, uh Riley uh, Irving. He congratulated his father, uh, Dred Irving. He mm-hmm. um, he then talked some trash to some people on Twitter. And look, man, uh, Kyrie has left a ton of money on the table in the last two years. And like, if you think about what he's lost, it would be a little sickening. But listen, you sign a hundred twenty-six million dollar contract, regardless of whether it was your maximum uh, value right. that you could have gotten. You have the right to talk your talk, and, and Kyrie and, was was beating that chest a little bit. And you did it without another team bidding against the Mavericks. And you can say the Mavericks bid against themselves. But they realized, hey, keeping Kyrie, part of the deal is you have to make sure you can keep you. You're doing everything you can to keep him happy, to maintain your relationship, because the obvious reasons we you know everybody understands the track record. Um, and so the Mavericks knew, hey, whether there's a, another team in the bidding or not, we're going to have to pay him a lot of money. They're happy that a lot of money still gave them a little bit of flexibility as far as being able to add to the roster. Look, this was a desperation move when they made it in February. This is a desperation contract because they're a he's desperate team. Us. He's baiting us. Um, no, because, this is just back the fact. We didn't, we didn't like it was called desperation. It's just the, so. it's just the facts. Facts are it was a desperation trade. This is a desperation contract and the Mavericks are a desperate team and they they've put themselves in this position where to your point, McMahon, they have to keep Kyrie Irving happy because this is their one path to having a contending team in the short term with Luca on the roster before he has to make a decision about whether he wants to be there long term. So they have to take it on the chin and deal with Kyrie and hope that they could be the team to make this work. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I think this is going to end in an inferno like it does every time Kyrie is involved in anything because that's been his track record now going on, what, seven years, six years, basically been an inferno every year. So maybe this will be different. Maybe he'll be, you know, maybe he'll look around and have seen nobody else was really interested in him and Dallas was interested in him and he'll be bought in because he is a really talented player and in theory, him and Luca should be a fit. And they have, they did have a good draft. I did like the Seth Curry pickup. They've, you know, they've, they've got a chance to be a decent squad, but let's see how the season goes. And let's see if Kyrie's still on board in January. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't. Well, look, they got him for less than the max. The three years could be a bit of a challenge, but they got him for less than the max and their mid-level exception is open and they can still add to the team, and they definitely needed to add to the team. So, Look, new new general manager, but this is the same organization that gave Chris Tapps Porzingis a five-year max offer with the player option when he was coming off of a, an ACL and never played a second for them. So, honestly, 
fact that it's a three-year deal when it could have been five, I would say that that is a major progress for the Mavericks in terms of restraint. So the Lakers were relatively active uh, on day one. Um, they re-signed Rui Hachimura uh, four years, $17 million a year. Could have been worse. I see people like congratulating them on a terrific tra- uh, deal well, there. Listen, the Lakers, the Lakers reunited the Heatles today. I don't know if y'all are aware, but the Heatles, <laughs> the Heatles have returned and they they've gone back in time and we got 25 year old LeBron on the Lakers again. We got we, Dwayne Wade brought him out of time, put him on the Lakers. Chris Bosh brought out of time, put on the Lakers. Actually went got back a Gar Carmelo, put him on the Lakers too. Got him out of that contract snafu he had back in 2010. Got him to have the four of them together this time. It's like championship baby. That's what I heard today. Lakers Listen, going I, to the, going to the chip, going to the chip. Hey. We, we can we can quibble with did they pay too much for Hachimura? You know, once I think they probably keep Russell. We can you know discuss that number when and if that happens. I'll say this: your top six roster, Wendy, that you've taken a victory lap on. Several. They did improve. I like Gabe Vincent. I like Gabe Vincent as a as a you know a guy who can start a point guard or, or come off the bench, you know, is, is kind of a tough-minded guy, can play off the ball when, when LeBron's going to have it in his hands. And honestly, Torian Prince is a guy, I, I like him too, shoots in the high 30s from three, you know, forward with some size and some athleticism. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, raise another banner at, at the old, uh, you know, the arena formerly known as Staples, but I thought the Lakers did have a pretty good day. Well, Torian Prince was reasonable value at four and a half million dollars on their um, uh, biannual exception. That was reasonable value. He's not going to carry anybody over the top, but he can help them win some games. Uh, Gabe Vincent was in some demand. I heard him attached to three or four different teams. Um, that's why they had to give him the whole mid level. Is my guess. Uh, the Heat made him an offer that was less than that. Um, he can start. He's not necessarily an 82 game starter that you want but he obviously proved in miami that he could he was very big in several of the playoff rounds he trained his ankle midway through the playoffs um and he never was quite the same player um but uh you know uh you know rob Polinka has had some hits on some lower level free agent signings um but i'm gonna say two things about where the lakers are um they don't have Austin Reeves under contract yet. And while I he'll be back there, um, it is fair to say that the San Antonio Spurs still have cap space. Uh, the two teams with cap space as we do this after midnight on uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, the Rockets still have uh, over $20 million in cap space that they're kicking around on whether to see if they can get Brooke uh, Lopez or maybe Dylan Brooks is uh, an option there. Um, and the other team that has cap space is the San Antonio Spurs. Um, you know, the, a bunch of teams of, you know, the, the, the Pistons made two trades, um, on Friday to use their cap space without signing a player. They acquired Monte Morris from the Wizards, basically for nothing for a second round pick. Yeah. And they acquired Joe Harris, uh, where they got Joe Harris and two second round picks from the Nets. And that was an interesting strategic move because uh, I think the Pistons were mulling over making an offer to Cameron Johnson, who um, you know has a huge fan of Detroit in Coach Monty Williams. Well, we were together in uh, Phoenix, and there was a thought that the Pistons could have used their 25-plus uh, million to try to go after Cam Johnson, an offer sheet, and, and pressure the Nets. Well, the Nets took care of that when they gave them Joe Harris uh, essentially for free. They and had to pay a hundred Johnson, 108 million. Right. And then the Nets uh, got Cam Johnson to settle or to settle. It wasn't settling <laughs> to, uh, to come to terms on a four years, 108 million for him. Uh, and then they took a, then they got Monty Morris for free. I think they got him for a, a second round pick. By the way, so, congratulations to Cam Johnson. You talk about a guy who bet on himself. Wendy, you've, you've noted that the Suns offer was, you know, in that 65 million range last year. It was a little bit more than 65, but I I think it was under 70 and he got 108. Maybe it's not all 108 guaranteed, but let's say it's at least 100. 
and mm-hmm. so it was a you know and he had knee surgery during the year so uh he was a he was a big winner uh for sure um but uh you know detroit used their cap space that way oklahoma city made two trades to use cap space without signing anybody. Um, they uh, took in uh, Davis Bertans on draft night, as you remember. And then uh, late on Friday night, they took in Victor Oladipo from the Heat um, to help the Heat clean up their books a little bit. Uh, the Utah Jazz used the majority of their cap space on um, John Collins. So the team out there that still has cap space other than the Rockets, who haven't sort of tabbed for somebody, is the is the Spurs. And so... I don't know if the Spurs, you know, uh, Grant Williams is a restricted free agent who's still out there as we do this podcast. Uh, maybe they look at him uh, and Austin Reeves. They could they could put an offer sheet down that has some uh, poison pills in it. They could make the Lakers gulp. Um, but, uh, you know, so Austin Reeves is not settled. We'll see. I would bet high percentage that he's back with the Lakers. The terms are going to be what's uh, still up in the air. Um, but uh, they also have D'Angelo Russell that they have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to re-sign him or not. So, um, I mean, they have a couple other free agents too, including Lonnie Walker, the fourth, but, uh, Russell and, and Reeves are the two interesting ones. And to me, those are two ones you, you got to get right if you're the Lakers because you can't overpay D'Angelo Russell. So you can congratulate them on Gabe Vince. You can congratulate them on Torian Prince. If you like the Hatchimer contract, fine. But Rob Palenka is still working very hard. I would say you can't overpay D'Angelo Russell and you can't lose Austin Reeves, right? And yes, the Spurs can make it more painful financially on the Austin Reeves front. But listen, when you've got LeBron going into year 21, but still playing at an all-NBA level, when you've got Anthony Davis still playing at at certainly an all-star, if not an all-NBA level, you just went to the West Finals, Austin Reeves, looked like a high-quality starter, uh, a guy who was the third-best player on your team that went to the West Finals, There's you just cannot let him walk, even if the Spurs put some deal on the table. It's just like, oh, you, you can't. No, there's no downside in the Spurs. You know, Either you're going to get a really nice young player who would fit well with your group of this phenom and some other really nice young players, or you don't. Um Boy, I tell you what, though, for for that, Monty Morris really would have made a lot of sense for the Spurs. They did get Trey Jones back at a uh, very reasonable number. They can certainly say, hey, you showed some promise last year as a starter on a tanking team. Let's see what you can, you know, let's see if you continue that development in a starting role. Give Give him a chance to kind of seize that going forward. Man, Monty Morris would have made a lot of sense as a as a guy who, could have kind of taken the lead there with, with Trey Jones as, as his backup. But they didn't go there. Obviously, if it's not Austin Reeves, maybe Grant Williams, I would. I still think probably most likely for the Spurs is they do some kind of, you know, rent, rent some space type of moves like you mentioned the the Thunder. And the maybe. Done. Well, maybe. We've seen $65 million already parked by teams getting out of contracts in this uh in this free agency, which is a lot of money that didn't go to players who were going to be free agents, which is part of why we've seen a lot of guys be hung up in the market. I mean, I was kidding a little bit before with, you know, some of the way that we I've, we've seen people talking about the Lakers signings today. I will say, I don't really see why anybody who is thinking the Lakers are uh, like, well, as you said, man, the goal is to win a championship with LeBron, right? You're, you're yes. down here at the end. I don't see what, I don't see why anybody would look at today and think the Lakers are closer to winning a championship than they were yesterday. Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent had a really nice playoffs. He also was a big part of why the Heat were an eight seed this year. He did not have a very good regular season. He's a career below forty percent three field, career forty percent overall shooter from the field. He's a career thirty three point nine percent three point shooter. Rui Hachimura had the best two months of his life. And up until then, I'm not sure would have gotten more than maybe the minimum. And now he just signed for $50 million. Now, maybe he'll do that. If he plays like he did in the playoffs all next season, that will look fine. If he shoots 30% from three again, like he has throughout his career, that's probably not going to look great. 
Yeah, they so, did just commit 80-something million to two guys who had, like, major spikes uh, as three-point shooters. Yeah, and, and, and just in general, if you look at this Laker team, like, they were not very close to beating Denver in the playoffs, right? And you could say Bruce Brown leaving. Like, and by the way, well, full stop. The strangest thing that happened today was this Reggie Jackson contract. Reggie Jackson signed it for the tax mid-level with a player option for the second year when he was unplayable in the playoffs. Two years, $10 million. Just very strange. I don't really know what Denver was doing with that. I got to think they could have gotten somebody better than Reggie Jackson for where their team is at. But anyway. That was interesting. I, but you said they weren't competitive against the, the Nuggets. Wendy gave them a bronze broom and <laughs> sweep in NBA history. So he sure did be, be respectful there. I, that's true. But look, that, I just, that, I by just, the way, real quick, a bronze broom is a fantastic line. My compliments it is you. a very good line. I just, uh, I just, hold on, look hold, at, on, hold on. Whoa, 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 boss. I got criticized heavily. Well, everybody at ESPN is getting criticized. Some people correctly for their nuggets takes leading up to that. Yes. That was a compliment to the nuggets. I was we don't, we don't need the to, Nuggets. We don't need to relitigate that. I yet. know. I'm just but saying that. Perhaps the champagne has eased the sensitivity of the um, I'm sure it has. I'm base, just saying since are, you brought it up. It's a very agitated fan base because they can't even watch their team on TV. I got, so you I can't blame them. No problem. I mean, I'm just saying. It was ult- a compliment to the Nuggets. Go ahead, Bontem. Ultimately, the Lakers signed Torian Prince, who the Wolves cut yesterday. They signed Cam Reddish, who stinks. They and they again, like Gabe Vincent and Rui Hachimura, if they play like they did in the playoffs all next season, they'll be very positive additions. Cam like, Reddish got a player option on the second year. Did he really? That's what I, I saw. didn't. I didn't know that. Hold on, is that in Bobby Sheet? Holy wow, that is wild. Who's he? Right I literally about? didn't know that. Oh, I'm, you could you could say that one. Hey, I just all had one hell of a night once again. It tends to happen every year. Sure, opening a free agency. He <laughs> sure did. Look, I just to me the Lakers. The Lakers have a very solid team. They did make nice moves at the deadline to get deeper. They they've now built a reasonable facsimile of the team they had before the Russell Westbrook trade. Yeah, I just like is Gabe hey. Vincent better than Dennis Schroeder? A little I, bit. I, I could see. I can definitely see them. Saying, "Hey, he's a better fit. We need some, you know, sure, some maybe toughness. You know, we need. I, I could say, I think Prince gives him. I, I like Prince, and I like Vincent for him. I, I like. I think they're fine. I think they're I feel fine. Like they're nice just, depth additions, and a team that just went to the Western Conference Finals that made two what I'm going to call rotation upgrades. Hey, they're going to be a factor next year if their stars stay healthy. Yeah, I just, I don't know." I, I they might they might I just think they made some bet they they're betting really high on those two guys right like Rui and Rui and Gabe Vincent in particular <laughs> there's a lot of teams that would oh I thought you were talking about those two I thought you were talking about LeBron and AD oh no 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 I'm talking like they use their full mid-level on Gabe Vincent right like that's a that's a high bet the Heat offered him a deal. It wasn't that much. And then they turned around and signed Josh Richardson for the minimum. It wasn't quite full, but close to it. Um, but look, they were among the list of teams with the Mavericks and, and others that would have loved to use their full mid-level on Bruce Brown. And then the, mm-hmm. the, the Pistons backed up like three Brinks trucks. Pacers. Sorry, Pacers, rather. Yeah. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. 
So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. By the way, the Pacers, uh, while we were doing this podcast, uh, Tyrese Halliburton agreed to a five-year uh, max contract. Um, can be worth up to two sixty if yeah, he hits. Potential uh, super max. Yeah, if he hits what he uh, what he can. And 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 while we're saying that, uh, Desmond Bain with the Grizzlies. I'm not even. I the, the the listeners may know all about this, but I'm more telling you guys. Right. That Desmond Bain um, agreed to a five years, two hundred seven million dollar contract, which is a max. I don't know if he has the rose provision, but uh, we'll find out later. But um, uh, just so you know that that happened tonight. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, I, I, I'm guessing that Bain does not have super max capability in his. Um, but hey, $207 million for a guy who was the last pick of the first he round. He has earned it. He has earned that yeah. contract. Hey, absolutely. Um, and you know, honestly, also, real quick, uh, Ted DiBiase, or, uh, Ted DiBiase, <laughs> Tyree, Tyree Salaburton tweeted out uh, Ted, DB, uh, Ted DiBiase beam uh, from WWE from my childhood. Listen, and the, the million, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, could be used in a lot of uh, in a lot of things with the way today has gone from a money and again, standpoint. Was, I said, Kyrie, talk your talk when you sign for one twenty six. Mr. Halliburton, talk your talk. <laughs> That's pretty good. For He's a pretty good player. He's hey, a pretty he, good player, Tyrese. He, he can go macho man Randy Savage after that contract, maybe. Um was that was it was Macho Man with the who had the snake that whole act, right? No, that was Jake the Snake Roberts who had the oh, snake. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Honestly, though, the Halliburton, like, I don't see how the Pacers could have come with anything less than that. I think and, no, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't that's have come with anything. That's why they it's shouldn't. Midnight. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't come with anything less than that. I mean, you could. I mean, I we're doing a top twenty-five players under twenty-five list in July, and I had him either second or third on my list. In the whole league, like he's he's awesome. That's yeah. a no-brainer for me. I mean, but it is a it is an aggressive. You know, here's the thing: the the Pacers had over $30 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. And they were believed that uh, a, a team that was really interested in Max Struess. And Bruce Brown and Max Struess, I mean, they could have given Bruce Brown uh, over a $10 million pay raise and still had, you know, $15, 16000000 million left to get Max Struess. And the bidding for Bruce Brown was so intense. And to get him, you know, to Indiana, which is not known for – you know, landing significant free agents. And Bruce Brown is a role player, but he's a significant free agent because so many teams wanted him. They basically closed the door on... Uh, on well, by, well by the way, just one little interesting thing about the Pacers. So, so not first time we've probably said that in a while on the pod. <laughs> so, so they obviously have just given Tyrese Halliburton the bag, right? But next summer, when Tyrese goes into that contract, they currently have five players under contract and they're going to have a ton of cap space again, potentially like they've got the ability with miles Turner with Tyrese Halliburton, who's becoming a star to potentially go out and try to get, I mean, I haven't looked ahead to see who's available next summer. Like we're not even through this summer yet. Sure. We can draft right. There you go. We could start that. We could start the thing. Now Pacers draft, uh, draft Bronny and then Please have LeBron come to the Midwest. Please don't. Please don't. There it is. Oh my God. I can't, I can't do this. There it is. <laughs> but my point is, it's just, int- just looking at their books you know, now. Just Bobby Marks sheets. It's just interesting to but, see. By the way, please don't aggregate. Bon Timps is kidding about that. Don't I am. I am kidding about Bronny and, and LeBron. I didn't think I had to be kidding about them going to the Pacers, but, but sure. Or say I was Bon Timps sure. and I were in, were in studio all day the last couple of days. Like, if we tried to come do a Pacers topic, if we were like, hey, let's do a topic on the Pacers, 
Uh, you know how we could good... talk about the Pacers? Oh. I could say, here's how the Pacers are going to get LeBron James. That's then right. Like, oh, oh, here we go. The, That's the, right. The other we way, be... <laughs> right on, out to the A block. <laughs> on, the, on the anniversary of those, you know, finger guns, Wendy, you can say, hey, I've got a meme in the making. We got to talk about the Pacers, though. Oh, Wendy's got another meme. Wendy's got another meme. Oh, listen, oh boy, listen. you you've got Brian. You've got Brian can do for the rest Brian of can, life. Brian can do whatever he wants. Like, hey, I'm going to talk about whatever. That's all. Sure. Here we go. Every time I New turned meme. on TV today, it was a celebration of the anniversary. Oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. I had just nothing being, to do with it. Just being fetted. Just being fetted all day. <laughs> All day. Uh, that Those was finger that was spin one... gold, baby. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Anyway, so well, the majority of the business in the league got done. Um, you know, we have the Dame Lillard and James Harden thing out there, but for the most part, we saw guys go back to their teams. Uh, and I just want to run through some deals here. Chris Middleton, um, three years and ninety. What was it ninety five million? I think it was. I think it was one hundred two. Oh, 102, right. I think I, th- I thought I th- it was going to be 95. Yeah, I think it was um, 102. He, uh, he took about seven or – it depends on how they how they structure it, but he took about a 7 or $8 million uh, pay cut from what he opted out of a couple of weeks about ago. A, about eight and a half. Okay, eight and a half. And mm-hmm. that will help – that helps them lower their tax bill significantly mm-hmm. and uh, they keep him um, – you know, he was obviously disappointing last season because of the injury, but I don't think they had a choice. They pretty much had to pay him. He was good in the playoffs too. Well, they were in the playoffs. Their playoff run last. I'm just 10 saying. Days. I'm just saying. He looked good. He looked good. He looked healthy against Miami and was putting up numbers. Is my point. Yeah, bl- bl- blink and he missed it, but he's really good in the playoffs. Uh, Draymond Green. I don't think there was any drama here, um, as much as people wanted to create it. Draymond Green. Uh, back people. To... People wanted to create it. Look. I remember in, a certain person last week going, oh, what's going on in Sacramento? And I, and I said, what's going on? And we found out the answer was nothing. Look, there, was talk, there was talk about him going to Portland, which had no cap space. Well, the Portland thing never made any sense. The, the, the Kings actually opened space. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then they closed. So, I'm, just having, I'm just having a little fun. I know. Draymond, very similar situation. It's a four-year deal for $100 million, but Well, yeah. by the way, congrats to Draymond. He got all four years guaranteed. I wasn't sure that was going to be the case. $100 million guaranteed. Mazel tov. Well, right. by the way, yeah, go ahead, Tim. But, no, he opted out, took less this year, which in, in, in Warriors' world, him taking whatever the number is, $5 million less is, you know, however many million in terms of luxury tax. So that helps. And then the reward is he gets four years guaranteed and they get to keep at least that part of the core together, you know, him and Steph. And we'll see how things play out with Clay. I, I, I think it's a pretty good chance Clay's there for, you know, I think they're just going to keep those guys together till, you know, till those guys hang them up, probably. Well, and by the way, just real quick on to relate this back to James Harden. James Harden, you look at how Draymond Green was handled by the Warriors. The Warriors from the beginning were like, we got to have Draymond Green. Mike Dunleavy was like, we got to have Draymond Green. We got to have him on our team to have a chance Dave to Cole, win. We are not a championship contender right. without him. The, they operated like a team that knew their only chance to win was if Draymond Green was on the team. The Sixers did not. Yeah. So to your point about the pressure on Daryl Morey, let's see what they do now because they didn't think they had to go through this door. So let's see what happens when they go through the other door, which is where we're at now. All right, Jeremy Grant pissed back to the Blazers on Oof. five years, one six zero. We'll see if it's all. Talk guaranteed. about Mazeltov, Mazeltov to Rich Paul. Well, Rich, Rich Paul, I think had a four hundred million dollar uh, evening. Um, he had oh, he had a four million dollar evening from three players, Brian. He, <laughs> well, yeah, I I think he also is going to get Gary Trent uh, Jr. a contract extension. I don't know if it's official. He also yeah, we discussed that earlier. Year. We also, I we also believe uh, he got Jordan Clarkson a, con, a a small contract extension. Anyway, he also has um, other agency works with that clutch. But uh, anyway, uh, five years, one hundred sixty million. Look, congratulations to Jeremy Grant, two way player. He this during this last contract, he sort of had peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Blazers see him as a core part of their future. I don't see how it improves the roster. You know, they're under pressure to improve the roster. It just holds the roster together. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Bond, tell us what you think about this deal. I, I don't know what the Blazers are doing. Like, uh, I just, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Like Jeremy Grant, I think Jeremy Grant's one of the more overrated players in the league. If you look at his, if you look across the board, like he, he scores 20 points a game, but he doesn't really rebound. He doesn't create turnovers. He's a solid individual defender, but not great. Like he's solid. And they just paid him $160 million on a team that is very clearly trending towards having this young group of players that they're building around. I mean, if they come back next year with Dame Lillard and Jeremy Grant and this roster with Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons and these young guys, they're not going to be in the top 10 in the West again. I, I just don't, I just don't know what the point of this was. Like, I guess you could argue maybe that this is a, an asset contract, but I don't know. That's a lot of years and a lot of money for a guy that's going into his early to mid thirties on this deal. I I don't know. Like, I mean, good for Jeremy Grant for getting paid. It's a ton of money, obviously. Like, that's great for him and for his family. But like, I, if I'm the Blazers, I just don't know what the point of doing this was. Is well, Jeremy Grant a significantly better player than John Collins? No, I don't think so. And so John well, Collins he defends. He defends on a smaller deal was just yeah, hold on hold on jeremy grant can defend john john Collins Co- is not known as not known as jeremy grant jeremy grant and john collins aren't all that different a player boss i mean i understand john, john collins can rebound you know hey right, i i well, agree with your your greater point is clearly they don't want to trade dame they won't trade Dame unless Dame asks for it. They knew, hey, if we don't bring back Jeremy Grant, holy crap, it makes right. that decision easy. They still have work to do to upgrade the roster because, as you noted, this is not an upgrade. This is just, uh, you know, keeping a guy started on a team that ended up tanking. Well, you guys know how I have my – as soon as you sign a contract, can you trade it? Um, I stick to that, but there's a general manager who I highly respect – who said that it really shouldn't be the first year? It should be after the first year. So whatever. Uh, I don't think I don't think you could trade this contract. But well, and, I, and honestly, with this new CBA, I don't know if we really have a, a feel for that now. It's a you know it's it's a little bit different now. And when, that that that's a great point. It's a great great point. When you look at where how this rare is, at, is that McMahon? He just said that to you. That's not. I say that to McMahon all the time. He makes plenty of smart points, but I it's a great Tom point. To be nice to me in, in a group chat with our wives, as 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 K Bond, please tell your husband not to be so mean to me all the time. Yeah, he's <laughs> not replied by the way. But listen, I would say that uh, I think that's a great point. When you look at where this CBA is going and these big deals like that, I mean, as you mentioned, John Collins is a good example. From the moment he was signed, it was like, oh, they'll trade John Collins for something. And three years later, he got dumped for nothing. And maybe they could turn Jeremy Grant into stuff. He has been traded a bunch the past couple of years, but I don't know. I just Boy, my favorite part of the John Collins salary dump thing is for three years they're desperately trying to trade him while saying, Oh no, no, we really value him. We're not just trying to give him away. <laughs> and, and they just gave him away. Well, listen, actions over words. You guys know how we roll. Kyle mm-hmm. Kuzma. Four years, $102 million to return to the Wizards. We talked about this a couple of times. We didn't see where his his options were. If they had, he had any, they dwindled a little bit, and he ended up staying put. And I would rent, not buy, in Washington. I think this is a contract that, you know, while he had a very good year last year, the best year of his career, and earned a significant contract, I don't know if he's a part of the future of this team. And I think well, he and Jordan Poole are kind of in the same boat. They're both kind of auditioning for further trade. Is one of guess. our, uh, one of our, I forgot if, which one of the main ESPN Twitter accounts had a picture of those two guys in those pretty little, what are cherry blossom uniforms. And then they said, who's going to take the last shot? And my thought is, well, whoever the hell's in during garbage time, because they'll be down like 14 points. <laughs> who's going to take the first shot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who will take both <laughs> shots? That's a fair question. You know, they'll both try. Bond Temps, you have an opinion? I don't. <laughs> okay. It's that's a rarity. That's, that's even more rare than me having a good point. I mean, I don't like, I mean, we, we spent all these days talking about Kuzma. This sort of seemed like this is how it was going to go. Pretty anticlimactic. 
Yeah. Especially, especially once the, once the, again, it gets back to once the Kings uh, agreed to the deal with Barnes, you know, that, that and Collins was in, in Utah. So those two salary slots were taken up and then it was like, where else is he going to go? Congratulations to him. He got a nice chunk of change, you know, a nine figure contract from the wizards. And Who's then, Jordan Poole are going to be chucking. That's oh, my yes. take. They're going to beat those guys are going to combine for like 60 shots a game next year. And the Wizards are probably fine with it. Go for it. And I'm sure, they will be fine with it. Year one of a rebuild there. DeAndre Jordan resigned with the Nuggets. I want to talk about the Cavs uh, real quick before we go. The Cavs uh, needed to upgrade their roster, uh, really needed to add some depth. They signed uh, George Niang to a uh, our guy who had joined us during the uh, finals. Bang, bang, George Niang. Uh, to a uh, was a three year deal, three year deal, twenty six million. Yep. Um, and they re-signed Karis Levert, uh, another guy who you know can help them, but I think was a signing that needed to be available for trade later for two years and uh, thirty two million. And um, you know, reportedly they've been working on um, a, a sign and trade to get Max Struess on a contract that would pay him four years and sixteen million dollars a year, uh, sixty four million total. Uh, Struess was a guy who was highly um, sought after by a lot of teams looking for uh, role players. Um, he's not, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's not um, uh, Fred Van Vliet to be clear, but he, uh, you know, that deal is not done. So let's just see whether that happens. I don't want to assume anything, but uh, the Cavs who, you know, I think it should be pointed out. I, uh, I think the real pressure for Donovan Mitchell is a year from now on terms of their contract, but Donovan does have an option of extending his contract this fall. Uh, he has two years left, uh, no opt-out. Um, but uh, the Cavs definitely needed to upgrade, and, and uh, you know, they, they did. Uh, and they're going to need – if they get Struess, I think it would have been a reasonably productive uh, – uh, for a top-four seed playoff team, a reasonably productive uh, free agent session. Yeah, I mean, look, that was arguably the worst position in the league of any of the, like, top – 10 or 12 teams, that small forward spot, it killed them in the first round series with the Knicks and they killed them that they didn't have enough shooting. And George Yang is a terrific shooter. And while if they do end up getting Max done at 16 a year, that could end up being a very shaky contract. He's been very up and down. Um, but for where they're at and the pressure they're on to try to win right now, you add Max Struess, you add George Yang. Those are two pros can fill in on the wing for them and be knockdown shooters given the, what the Cavs have asset wise, that's a pretty nice one, two punch for them in free agency. If they could pull that off. I yeah, think the a, third team would have to be most likely be the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. That's what and I'm saying. That's that the Spurs. Who knows, user, who knows if the Spurs Cavs have anything else up their sleeve uh, in addition to that. So that's something to watch. But yeah, the Cavs had, I mean, you talk about one of the most glaring needs in the league. It was wing shooting, especially if, and, and they are, it certainly appears, if they continue to play their, their too big lineup, like you just, the, the spacing, they've got to have a guy that demands attention when he's spotted up outside the three point line. And, and uh, you ain't leaving George Niang alone out there, that's for sure. Nope, and he could play the four, and you, you when you play one of the – you have the time when you have one of those guys on the court, you bring George in, and then you've got a 40% three-point shooter playing next to one of those guys. Like it, Those are two really nice – again, like for where they were at, I think that's about as good as you could realistically have hoped for the Cavs to do in free agency if they could pull this off and get this thing done. All right, before we go, is there anything you guys uh, – that uh, tickled you that you, we haven't talked about? I know that sounded strange. I'm sorry it's late. <laughs> I don't need any midnight tickling from you, Wendy. <laughs> I mean, I'll be curious to see what happens with Dante DiVincenzo. Obviously, one of the better players left. You know, certainly there's been a lot of thought about him winding up in New York with his Villanova buddies, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart, won the national championship with those guys in school, would be a good fit there. I'm curious about that. Obviously, we talked about Brooke Lopez. Very curious to see what happens with that. And then, you know, I mean, it's obviously we, we haven't talked about them on the pod, but I think now that just about everything else is done, we're going to sort of be in a staring contest with 
the James Harden situation and the Damian Lillard situation, because I think in a lot of ways they're sort of tied together. And the longer that the Portland situation goes unresolved and unchanged, it's going to put more pressure on Houston or on Houston. That's a Freudian slip. It's going to put more pressure on Philly to -hmm. make some progress and find a way to get something done. And I think it's safe to say in a perfect world, what Philly would like is to be able to time that up to at least have a chance to be in the Dame Lillard business. And if he's just not going anywhere anytime soon, at some point they might have to make a trade while he's still in Portland and then see if they could figure something out later. So, you know, if we get once the Brook Lopez thing is off the board, it's sort of really just a couple of restricted free agents for me. And then it's what happens with those two guys. Well, another one I'm very curious about is Dylan Brooks. And uh, I think that is at least indirectly tied to Brooke Lopez because, you know, I 20, like the, the Rockets to get Lopez are probably going to have to go more 20 mil plus per year, essentially most of, if not all, their remaining cap space. Uh, it's, you know, been known for a while. There's also strong mutual interest between the Rockets and Dylan Brooks. Um, I'm curious. I, I I don't know where else interest is coming for Dylan Brooks. I do know that he's not for everybody. Um, but I also know that he is, you know, arguably the best wing defender in the league, certainly on a very, very short list. Well, it's also possible that the Grizzlies might entertain a sign-and-trade there. That's true. I, I think the Grizzlies absolutely would entertain a sign-and-trade. Um, that, you know, obviously would have to, to make sense for them and have to benefit them, but they that, that's a good point. But even if the salary cap space that's out there dries up, it doesn't necessarily mean he's, you know, not going to get something. He, he might, right. and he defends, so he probably is going to get a decent chance. So... Um, we'll see. All right. By the time we we pod again by early next week, I think that there will either will be movement on Harden and Lillard, or we're headed for a stalemate. <laughs> if we don't have something happens over the weekend with the two of them, it could be a long one. Um, so I will lift the moratorium on that um, probably the next time we talk. Um, but um, thank you to Jackson. Thank you to Bunt Thompson McMahon. Thank you for listening and putting up with my microphone issues. I'll be back home in the uh, in the in the home studio uh, tomorrow, and we will talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.